Welcome back, listeners. I have Zoe with me. You might remember her from the first episode of our new format where we played Monster of the Week. Yes. I have not titled the first episode (laughs) yet, so you know what it's called, but I don't. (laughs) Zoe, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Zoe. Uh, Pronouns are she, her. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here with Ryan, who is a friend of mine of many years. Yeah. Um, just for the benefit of people who might want to hire your talent oh. self, Zoe's last name is Hovland. Yes, yes. If we can do last name. Sorry, I wasn't sure. Oh, no, absolutely you can. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of part of the point is if you have something that you want to get out there. Yeah. We amp it up. Got it. Got it. Uh, so why don't you spell your first and last name, just because sometimes it's always spelled with a Y, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's spelled with two dots over the E, and sometimes it's spelled with an I-E. Yeah, lots of different Zoe variations. Yeah. So it's Z-O-E, last name is H-O-V-L-A-N-D, and I'm on SoundCloud, um, and yeah, that's kind of, and I'm on Facebook, Zoe Hovland Composer would find me there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I do, I I majored in music composition in college, and um, since then I've done music for kind of a variety of things, but podcast music has become a little bit of a niche, Um, starting with my friend Abby, who did a podcast. um, That was before our failed sweet sugar candy attack, wasn't it? It was. It was called Something Paranormal. Oh my gosh. Uh, It's driving me bananas that I can't remember it, but... That was, that was a few years ago. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So starting with that, I wrote the theme for that. I've written... Supporting Paranormal. Supporting Paranormal. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Google. You. Yes, Google. Came in, come, come through. In the clutch. Yeah. Yeah, and then I've done music, too, for um, some web series and some real-world events, including Ryan and uh, Matt's wedding. Yeah. And my sister's wedding. So, yeah, it's kind of my art stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to ask you more about your music, but before we dig into that, tell me about creating June and your thoughts behind June. Sure. It, it's not real deep. I'm just kind of, it's like when Ryan was lobbing different um, um, Playbooks. settings at me. Yeah, yeah. And one of them was Greaser Girl Gang. I was like, oh, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> so then I was like, okay, a high schooler. And um, it's challenging for me to go real, like, to, like, role play someone who's drastically different than me. So I would say June and me share a lot in common. I joked about being flustered with, like, the whole flirtation thing from from Crash, and that's very much me. Um, I don't know. I guess I can be a little smoother than that, but not by much. <laughs> not by much. All your little laughs were so cute, though. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I love June so much, and it's only been one episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of the like well-meaning, like um, genuine yeah. sort of like there for her friends type person. Yeah, that's kind of the inspiration. You chose the mundane. Yeah, you you did have an idea of a supernatural esque kind of thing that I'm just not going to bring up right now. Mm-hmm. And it might come up later. But if it does come up later, you still don't need to listen to the first episode to hear the next episode that Zoe's on. It'll it'll still work. Anyway. But you have this kind of supernatural idea. But you still went with the mundane as the playbook instead of choosing something like 
spell slinger or flake or I don't know. I looked at a lot of different options when we were talking about what June might be. Mm-hmm. What made you go with the mundane? A few things. I I liked from the get-go the idea of a character that wasn't super inundated with paranormal stuff and was sort of new to the world. Just getting her feet wet. Yeah. Yeah. Which fits with that archetype. Some of the some of the playbooks too at least the verbiage in the like actual book book makes some of those archetypes out to be a little dark or inclined towards like darker themes. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know that's the direction I want to go per se. And of course there's a lot of flexibility baked into the game. So you don't have to go that direction. But I right. still was kind of like mundane feels to me like one where I can lean into that, you know, uh, getting her feet wet type of, you know, thing. And yeah. like just discovering this world for the first time and also be the sort of like sweet, like personality that I was aiming to to be. Yeah. So. And I think you really did achieve that, especially <laughs> especially when Hina didn't annoy her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, oh, I feel like this girl gets a bad rap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing this with you. It was the first time that I had ever played Monster of the Week, let alone be the Keeper. And it was your first time playing Monster of the Week too, right? Yeah. What did you think of the gameplay? It couldn't be easier. Yeah. I mean, like, with a couple exceptions of us needing to be like, wait, do I do this? Does this mean this? I don't know. Like, And that'll other... just be experience yeah. on both of our parts. Yeah. Um, I like that it's simple. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've played D&D and I enjoy D&D, but I think after, unless you've played for, unless you play consistently and for a pretty extended period, which is not usually me, like I play intermittently at best. Right. It's hard for me to be like, I don't know what bonus this is. You know, I'm not. Yeah. So this is much more straight up and down. And I like that. And I also am a fan of the McElroy's work. And so, um, the... Adventure Zone arc that uses Monster of the Week. Um, huh, help me out. Amity. A- Amnesty. <laughs> Amnesty. Yeah. That one. Um, Oop. I love that. My turn to blow out the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amnesty was a lot of fun. And that's actually how I first heard about it, too. When I when I bought it, I was surprised, but also really happy to see that all of the stats are already there for you, and you just pick the one yes. that suits your character best. I like that, too. Yeah. Character creation, oh my god, it's Super night and day simple. compared to D&D. Yeah. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong, I love D&D. I've been playing since high school, and I'm also kind of an intermittent player, but I don't generally have a problem picking back up with D&D. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're just trying to get somebody into tabletop games... D&D is daunting compared to this. Completely agree. Yeah. Like, I have friends. Uh, my good friend, Jess, uh, has always been like, I think this could really be my cup of tea, but I am so intimidated. Yeah. When I look at, like, the rule book, I'm like, whoa, gay, that's a lot to learn. And yeah. it is. Like, it, you know, again, over time. Yeah. And I say comfy with it. pick it back up pretty easily. And that that's true. But at the same time, rules of combat in D&D always mess me up. Yeah. What, how do you, like, what mm-hmm. is, what does an attack of opportunity mean? How often does that come up? Yeah. Whereas with Monster of the Week, it's just, do you do the thing or not? Mm-hmm. And you're both going to get hurt in the process because that's how a fight works. Yeah, right. Yeah. I completely, yeah. Agree. Yeah. So I think, I think, summarize it to say, we are both big fans. Yes. And 
Masks is kind of the same kind of system. Mm. So if you're more interested in superheroes, Masks is also a good way to go. Awesome. And we will be playing Masks with a different guest later. Um, and we'll use the modified rules put forth by Aaron Cerise from Super Idols. Uh, so that'll be cool. Stick around for that. You said that podcast music has kind of become your niche. Mm-hmm. So it was Abby first. Yep. Was it us after that? Yeah, I do think it was the the Magical Girls one after that. Yeah. And then I actually got a commission that wasn't a friend, which felt really good <laughs> for a yeah. podcast. And, oh, man, I mean, I would love to plug it. I'm, again, blanking because it was a few years ago now. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's a, it's a, um, I do remember that it was like a Lovecraft podcast. I think Ooh. it might've been actual play as well. Um, I'll just kind of casually scroll through my messages and look for it as we discuss other things. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say it's become a niche and I really like it. I really, really like it. Does um, it feel very different than other music writing you've done? No, not terribly different. I like, I've always been... Where I, where I excel compositionally, I think, is with short melodies. Longer, prolonged pieces are sometimes hard for me. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, there's more material. You have to make it interesting for a longer period. Right. More orchestration. Just more of everything. Um, and so, in that sense, the short cues of music that you typically hear in podcasting, that, that caters to my strengths. Yeah. When I first started throwing things out at you for The Game is Afoot... One of the things that I threw out at you was, like, a Saved by the Bell remix. I don't think you ever got to write that. I think that got vetoed pretty fast by everyone else. But what you did send me and what ultimately became the theme to the show, we just loved instantly. Oh, I'm glad. And something that I do just want to put out there for anyone listening who might want to hire Zoe, yes, I'm biased, but you should do it anyway, (laughs) is that... She gave us three or four different transitional options as well. And one is, like, religiously used now for fight sequences. Although now that the, now that, that transition is not going to fit the mood of every game that I play, I might have to noodle around with other stuff. But for that project, it was great because I had different options to change from one thing to another. The transition into the mid-roll was different from the transition into battle and I had a third transition to play with if I needed to. (laughs) Is that something that kind of comes naturally to you creating those little transitions after creating the main theme? Yeah, definitely. It's much, I mean, because then you have melodies that you can cut and splice. You have different instruments that you can put those melodies on. It's, yeah, that's, that part is, is much simpler because all the pieces are already there. You just have to rearrange them. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When you're approaching a project, do you like having people give you different musical examples of something that they enjoy? Or do you prefer getting a general idea of what the project is and being loose and free from there? Or is it a balance? Uh, I, I've done both. Like, um, for you, yeah, you mentioned Saved by the Bell and then um, Fillmore, which I was like, oh, my God, that show ruled. <sighs> yes, and Recess, I think. so good. Yes, I did also mention uh-huh. Recess. Um, and I like, so I like that because then you can 
be like, okay, this is sort of this like drums are are heavily featurely <laughs> feature heavily in this horns feature heavily in this, so I can cherry pick those things but try to make something different. Yeah. But this other um, commission, he was kind of just like, yeah, it's like Lovecraft. Go. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, but I still did what I what I like doing, which is that I. Um, I make like two or three, minimum two, usually three different options and I might not mix them to be super smooth sounding, but they, it's like well mixed enough to give the person I'm working for an idea of like, oh, this could blossom into this if it was more developed. Right. Just like snippets. Yeah. And then they can choose like, okay, I like this and I like this. Is there any way you could sort of fuse those? I don't like this one as much. Yeah. So like stay away from those tones those right you know instruments whatever it is because then I can be like okay I'll fine-tune from that feedback right so and I think feedback helps any artist absolutely yeah god that just made me think of do you listen to any of the shows from the exactly right podcast network I don't think so there's a show on that network called bananas and they just find the most nutso news stories you can find but the the prompts that they gave their songwriter for that was embody this specific artist say the word banana as many times as possible (laughs) that's fun so the chorus is just like driving me bananas baby bananas banana nana and it's just such a jam it sounds like a jam i'll have to show it to you later yeah do you have much experience songwriting with lyrics or is that something new that you might want to explore I only have one really solid piece of experience with that, and that was back in college. I wrote, like, a very short musical adaption of Hansel and Gretel. Oh, my God. I want to see I it. I can't believe I've never told you about this. No, this is new to me. That's wild. Okay, so I do have a recording, but uh, for various reasons. It was part of my senior thesis. Like, the right. thesis was to basically present a collection of, I think, at least, like, 45 minutes yeah. Of your music. And so you had to find performers, obviously. Yeah. The musical was the biggest chunk of it. Um, I, I was mostly working with student musicians, and bless his heart, a couple of them were, they were just, like, younger, and maybe, like, they didn't quite put as much practice into rehearsals as they should have. Yeah. And so, and for, I will play you the recording at some point, I promise. It was but really it probably fun. shouldn't be stuck in here. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> sadly. Um, but now was... I just want a whole series of Zoe Hovland retells the stories. <laughs> the see the story behind the recording. <laughs> um, yeah, the story behind this recording was that a couple people kind of pooped out on me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I had an amazing harpist. She was a paid actual gig yeah. musician in Portland, and the harp really carried the whole thing in a really impressive way. So. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, so that was my my lyric, lyrical music writing experience. I've always loved musicals. Yeah, that was a blast. Yeah. So I'm not opposed to doing it again at all. Uh, it's just it's just different for me. Yeah. It's also not what you have the most practice in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now that I have this wonderful knowledge that I didn't <laughs> have about you before, I kind of want to play a little game. Okay. I'm going to name a fairy tale, and then I want you to tell me what style of music you would do it in, like pop or rock or whatever. Okay. 
and we won't do this very long. I'm just entertained by this notion, and I want to see what you say. Okay. Okay. So you already did Hansel and Gretel. We're going to put that one aside. Okay. Little Red Riding Hood. I should say, too, not to, like, goof up the game. I, I did different <laughs> styles within Fair the enough. musical. So, like, well, and I, I say styles. Um, it was all pretty much we did what you'd expect from a musical, but, um, like, the villain song, so the witch in the Candy Cottage uh, played by Heather, P.S. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, was like Listener, a Listener, you can't see this, but I just made a series of amazed faces. <laughs> That's another one of our good mutual friends. Um, I didn't know any of this, <laughs> and I'm really excited. She loved it, too. She really oh hammed it up. Oh, God. Um, that was a tango, <gasps> which was, I think, probably the favorite thing. My favorite thing that I wrote, oh. like, in the standout piece from the whole deal. I need to see this. Oh, and Hannah played the Wicked Stepmother. She was also really into it. Oh. Yeah, it was really... Another longtime friend for the for the audience. And my The sister. first time I met you was because of a role-playing game. Yes, it was. It was the murder mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about that, actually, now. <laughs> now I'm excited. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For Little Red Riding Hood? Pop, pop. I'm, th- I'm feeling a pop. Pop could be fun one. for that. Mm-hmm. See... What, part of what's hard is that I, I, I know my genre and I know mm-hmm. what I'm good at. And yeah. it, it is sort of like either pop adjacent or really, I mean, this was my training, quote unquote, such right. as it is, was like classical, More orchestra- you know. orchestral. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for a long time, what I thought I wanted to do was film scores. And I still, some, I mean, like yeah. I mentioned, I scored for a web series. Right. And that was, you know. Which um, Drew's podcast for the end of the world is the name of that web series. Before I forget, it's that not a podcast; good. it's a web series about a woman making a podcast about the end of the world. <laughs> yes, yes. So I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Is it still going? No, I didn't no, think so. Good. I thought I finished it. So the first time I met you was during a, a murder mystery game, and Mads and I were going to college then, and you came up to join us mm-hmm. as well as Hannah. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of you, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Laura, I believe. Maybe Christine as well. I don't think Christine was okay, there. Then it it was maybe have, Laura. It must have been. Yeah, I feel like it was Laura. The character that you played for that, because it was one of the games that one of our club members had written, was very Captain America-esque. Uh-huh. I don't know what I'm getting at. I just, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> that you're here and I love you and oh, that I was love you fun. Too. It was fun. And I guess... Okay, I know I know where I can go with this. I was going to ask this more to the end because um, I'm planning on kind of having this be a, a finishing question. But it's on my mind, so let's just do it. Sure. As a queer person, that's what I should talk to you about first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you kind of recently. Yes. Not super, super recently, but I guess compared to the rest of us that are kind of surrounding you in your life, kind of recently came out. Yeah, it was around about a year ago. Yes. Maybe a little more than that. Yeah, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. What what was that like for you, like kind of figuring it out and then making the decision to come out? I mean, we all, everyone in in the community knows that coming out is kind of a continuous experience because Mm -hmm. there's always going to be someone else who doesn't know it about you. Mm -hmm. And you're either going to come out by being with somebody or just having the conversation or by having somebody make an assumption that you want to correct. And that's a whole balancing act and I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) But (laughs) But it's all true. But it's all true. Mm -hmm. But what was that like kind of figuring that out for yourself so late in 
life. Yeah. There's never a bad time to do it, but... Yeah. Uh, well, it was because I, like, for a long time, there's been a joke with me and my many queer friends of, like, oh, poor Zoe, the straight one. <laughs> like, um, and... We did call you the token straight yes, for a while and yeah. we all lived together. Yeah. And, um, but even while I was in that position of being the, the straight one, I was, like, I was always able to be, like, dang, that's a really attractive woman, which is, you know, not, I feel like... I feel like there's, you can be straight and still have that aesthetic appreciation. Yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. indicative. Yeah. The more time went on and the more I was, like, feeling that way about, again, we're talking random strangers yeah. type of thing, celebrities or more often podcasters, <laughs> where I've been like, dang, that person's really attractive. Um, And then there was someone I worked with at work who had started, like, obviously I couldn't help but notice she was attractive, and then... We worked together. She's just a contractor, not like an actual like coworker, coworker. Right. Temporary. Yeah. Um, but we worked together a lot on this project. And I so one day I was like, oh, I have feelings for this person. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> revealing. Um, didn't go anywhere, tragically, because again, I was like, oh gosh, we worked together. Yeah. Um, but. But it was illuminating. <laughs> and so, yeah, my coming out was very small. Like, I made an Instagram post. I didn't make a Facebook post. I have more friends on Facebook who are really not particularly friends. Mm -hmm. Instagram is where kind of my people are. Um, so it was a quick way to be like, hey, everyone, this is something about me that you maybe didn't know. <laughs> hey, all right. Um, Get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With just the people, again, who I'm like. You know, yeah. I'm friends with uncle, cousin, whoever the heck on Facebook. And I'm right. like, I don't really care what you, whether you know this about me or not. You're reading it on yes. Insta. Yeah. And then, of course, I did have like an in-person conversation with mom and dad. Like, hey, I got a crush on a woman recently. So. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was very private. Everything considered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was also timed up with, you know, the pandemic. So I haven't really had a chance to get on apps or um, explore the physical side of this, really. Right. But I am excited to do that once vaccines I would are more... just ignore OkCupid. Okay. I know it's one of the few free options out there. I would ignore it. Got it. Got it. That's the only advice I'm going to give you right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I honestly... When I saw your post about that on Instagram, I got super excited, Aww. and I yelled at Maz to come look at my phone. You're so sweet. <laughs> we love you. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to love you regardless. But it was this moment of, like, Zoe's joining us in our gay-ass family! Yay! Yeah. I also figured myself out later in life, um, when I was in college. Because of Mads, actually. Mm -hmm. Because when I was growing up, I didn't really have positive examples of queer people. There were some people in my high school that might have been queer. I don't know that for a fact. Small town rumor mill, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, but when those people were talked about, it was with this spin of, like, it, it was always girls, and they were always bi. And they were always just doing it for attention. Mm. That really shitty thing. Yeah, very much so. Um, did you have more positive influences when you were growing up uh, of queer folk? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Me and my sister were very fortunate. In Hannah's case, 
the sister, uh, only for high school. But we went to an art, arts magnet school that was middle through high. Yeah. Uh, she got in in high school. I had gotten in in middle school. Just a really accepting, awesome place mm-hmm. and one where there was zero chance or if there was any chance it was minimal, minimal that there would be any sort of blowback yeah. for coming out you would get bullied for taking that stance, yeah. you know, for being anti-anything. Yeah, and I was even in middle school as part of the Gay Straight Alliance. Remember those days? My school didn't have one. Oh, that's sad. I mean, Mossy Rock is super, super small. Do you think they have one now? I don't know. I'd have to ask my mom. But at the same time, with a school that small, I can understand not having one for a couple of reasons like one is there might just not be enough interest yeah and then the other is if kids are closeted that's a pretty quick way to get outed exactly yeah for sure yeah so who knows right but i didn't even know those were a thing until i graduated high school Hmm. like that was not even in my sphere western probably had one though right western had a few different gay clubs Hmm. i wasn't really too actively a part of any of them uh, the only time <laughs> you all are going to hear an embarrassing story about me right now. Let's save that embarrassing story for after this quick break. I want to thank you all again for sticking with me while I go through this format change. I've almost figured out what I want to do for the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash TGIA podcast. So I will update my Twitter account when that is finalized. Other than that, please subscribe, rate, review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts listening to this. It really helps us get the word out. Again, thank you, Zoe, for being our first guest. I'm going to thank her again at the end of this episode because I love her. And also I'm going to thank her for the music, so on and so forth. I am going to be taking a bit of a break from recording after mid-June, that's not going to affect the release schedule at all because I've got a lot of things already prepped. They just need to be edited. But in the meantime, if there is anyone in particular you would really like on the show, please reach out either on that Twitter account or at thegameisafootpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to do the best I can to get everyone, literally everyone on this show. I want to talk to them. I want to play with them. I want to be their best friend. I'm not joking. So let me know. And other than that, we're going to listen to a quick trailer from Control Pod. Control Pod is an all queer podcast where they test out different game systems. And I actually have already had the pleasure of playing with one of their members, Dennis. Uh, We played Stars Without Number. So that episode will be coming up in the future. Look forward to that and enjoy this trailer. Bored of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini-campaigns along with one-shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of, or our testers being people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum, we want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or... 
head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on your keyboard. There you can find the systems we test along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion Dallas Passionis, Saw of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more! What are you still sitting here with me for? Go listen to the rest of the show! Bye! The only time that I went to one of these things is when I met a girl on OkCupid. And she was fine. That's not why I'm telling you to avoid it. But I met this girl on OkCupid, and she was like, why don't we go meet at this meeting? And so I go to this meeting. I sit down next to who I think is her. (laughs) And we talk the entire time, and I'm doing my best to flirt. And I don't know how to flirt. (laughs) So it's really obvious when I'm trying to do it, because I don't know what I'm doing. You see that panic in my eyes. (laughs) And... (laughs) So I'm just trying to flirt with this girl this entire time. And at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, the people up front who are presenting to this honestly massive group, there wow. were like 30 people there. We're talking about like horrific sex stories and like how one of them had told this girl that she liked fisting and the other girl who didn't know what fisting was literally just punched her. Oh no. In the pussy. Oh, just no punched her. That's unfortunate. So all of this is happening. I'm trying to flirt with a girl. And then after the meeting, a different girl comes up to me. It's like, you're Ryan, right? Let's go on a walk. And I'm like, oh, no. Cramp. I flirted with the wrong girl. <laughs> that is very funny. So that was my first time in a gay social club setting, excluding <laughs> the bar in town. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't remember if I had been there at that point, but it was there. Well, if you were a freshman, I don't know if you would have. I wasn't a freshman. Okay. I, I think I was a junior at that point. Okay. She was the last person I dated before Mads. Mm-hmm. Okay. So either a sophomore or a junior. Either a sophomore or a junior. God. No, I must have been a junior because of where I ended up living. I was a junior. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got there. <laughs> yes. But yeah, um, that was my first time in a gay social setting, and we didn't have GSAs or hmm. anything like that. At that arts magnet, that's where you met Mads. Yes, it is. Back in middle school. Yeah. 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 So listeners already know Mads through the podcast, um, but Mads is the reason I met Zoe, mm-hmm. because Mads and I were already in the Murder Mystery Club, and Mads invited Zoe up. Were you guys dating at the time of that game? No. Yeah, I kind of thought that. I thought you were... Were you roommates? Or... N- Not that year. We were roommates for one specific year. I think it was the year after you okay. came to that game. Okay. Zoe is one of the major influences behind us actually dating in the Oh, first it's true. Place. It's true. Um, I drunkenly gave oh Mads some advice. I love that, that story they should so just, much. They should, quote, go for it. Yeah. And they did go for it. <laughs> Eventually. We got there. It yeah. was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you had those positive queer influences Me too. growing up. Me too. And Hannah, uh, well, yeah, Hannah also had those influences. And I think yeah. it made her personal journey with coming out a lot easier as well. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to dig into Hannah's business too yeah, much. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't want to do that extens- extensively. <laughs> was she out when you were in high school? Yes. Eventually. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah, during she, high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was also a queer influence on your life before mm-hmm. you even got to college. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to f- to find all the pieces that are Zoe, <laughs> so that I can show everyone how amazing. Oh you my are. gosh! Because that's kind of the whole reason I wanted to start this podcast in the first place. Not even just this format, but in general. When I first started playing the other game with my friends, I was like, all my friends are amazing and I want everyone to know about it. And you're amazing and I want everyone to know about it. <laughs> so I guess before I ask the question that I'm planning on asking at the end, let's talk about Holden. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I know that this isn't really related to your music and one could argue that every experience you have is a queer experience because you're queer. <laughs> But adopting a dog is not specifically a queer no, thing. No, no. However. It is a big part of my life, for sure. For yes. Sure. Yeah. Tell the listeners who Holden is, and then we'll kind of dig in. Yeah. Yeah. So Holden is a dog that I adopted fall of 2016. Oh, my God. I didn't yeah, even realize it. was it. very shortly after we all moved in together. Very shortly. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah. Yeah. He's over five now. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And he was nine months when we adopted when I adopted him. So yeah, he's he's been around. Oh, he's I'm so he fast. is. He is. Yeah. So Holden is this dog. Um, I I had just gotten out of a relationship, which I think was part of it. And then I also just moved into this lovely house where we had lots of space and a big yard. Yeah. And so I was like, I want a dog. So we went to the shelter, got connected with this dog who seemed pretty chill in the meeting room. I first met him with me and my mom, and then we brought... I didn't realize your mom was there the first time. Yeah. So the time we all met him, we brought the whole housemate crew to meet him because we were like, well, you know, we should make sure this meeting goes well if we're going to adopt him. And it did uh, with all the housemates. And And in retrospect, that wasn't really a good No, no. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. I mean, I would urge anyone who's thinking about adopting a dog... To see if the shelter, not all shelters will, but certainly most rescues will, will do like a home visit thing because that's going to be way more indicative. Or maybe of the you dog's could foster behavior. for a while first. Yeah, there, yeah. Just just get get a sense of how the dog acts in a home when the dog is like, okay, this is a home that I feel some amount of, um, you know, possession or or comfort in, because he was a totally different dog when we brought him home than he was in the visiting room. Like yeah. he was barking at everyone. He was just uneasy, you know, like, he kind of bonded with me, but even that was, like, you could just tell he was, like... It was kind of an if-I-have-to moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was kind of like, okay, that's my person. Um, you know, and I tried crate training him. That wasn't super successful. Finally, we brought a trainer in, um, and the trainer was like, this is a very, very challenging dog. And euthanasia is an option you have to consider. Yeah. And I was so freaked out, as anyone would be, and feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so in over my head. The shelter did not know the extent of this dog's behavioral issues at all. Yeah. Anytime we would run into another dog, too, that was another whole set of issues. You know, barking and pulling and making a scene. And not like a, I want to go meet that dog vibe, but like a, I want to go attack that dog vibe. Yeah. Um, Pretty much everyone that he doesn't know. Yeah. Threats. Yeah, very much so. 
I mean, but we worked with the trainer. The trainer was like, here are some medications, some daily behavioral modification medications. You're talking about the second trainer, right? Yes. Yeah. There was one interim trainer that was not a good fit. But then I got connected with Greta Kaplan for anyone in the Portland area who's listening. Wonderful dog trainer. She's very busy right now. Don't know if she's taking on new clients, but she's awesome. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. We worked together a lot. And there was already a pretty significant change just from the meds and from the few exercises that Greta shared. I feel like with two visits, there was a difference. There was. Yeah. I mean, on her second visit, she was like, okay, this is a dog you can work with. Like, if if you keep doing what you're doing, you don't necessarily have to resort to, again, scary topic, euthanasia, you know. Yeah. So now, yeah, he's, he's got his circle of people. That he's okay with, and it's all the housemates that he was originally acclimated to, plus my mom, and that still includes Madsen, yes, and I. It does, which is amazing because we haven't lived in that house for over a year. Yeah, but the fact that he remembers you, and even if there is still iffiness with like certain hugging behaviors yeah. and that type of thing, that's just him being like, "I'm protecting mom." Yeah, yeah. So that's good. I mean, now the now the challenge is. Uh, getting him to be at least a tolerable level of friendly, if not like full lick your face. I think we've all kind of mentally, what's the word I'm looking for? We've all accepted at this point that like, I'm probably going to be his only person person, like fully like that's, I'll do anything for that person. She can pick me up. She can scoop me down. You're like, yeah, which I can, I can handle him to any extent that I want without any fear. Yeah. But I might be one of the only people who can, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think I can get him around to people, i.e. my dad, who is unfortunately, like, he loves dogs. So he's very bummed that there's a dog that doesn't love him back. Um, And any future romantic partners. I mean, especially if I'm moving in with someone, right, which is the goal in the long term to meet someone and live together and, you know, have kids. And that's a whole other, you know, semi-scary thing is how do we make this dog be safe around kids? Yeah. So yeah, that's been a, that's been a real journey. Yeah. <laughs> and I, a large part of my life. I've got to say the amount of progress you've made with him is nothing to sneeze at. Thank you. Like, I, I think you kind, not think, you definitely knew this. When he started being Let's let's be honest. Aggressive. Mm-hmm. I was very against him staying, mm-hmm. and you knew that. Mm-hmm. But with the amount of work that you've put in and the changes that he's made, I came around. He's a sweet dog when he knows who you are. Yes, and I, I think I just want to like reiterate how much of a change that was in in me, based on your good effort. Oh, thank you. Because when I was growing up, we had a dog named Parker. And he was a Pekingese. Hmm. And he would not stop bar- biting. Oh, man. And. Like people in your family. like Yes. Not, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it wasn't, it wasn't predictable. Hmm. Like there, there was no trigger that we could see that signaled that he was going to do this. And in my family, the way I grew up, the area I grew up in, if a dog is aggressive or bites, that dog is a problem and you put that dog down. Mm-hmm. That's just how I grew up. So the fact that you put so much time and effort and money into this dog to anyone <laughs> is amazing. But it it's not something I've witnessed before. Why am I getting emotional? Oh, why am I crying? <laughs> it's okay. 
<laughs> I know. Ah. A lot of big feelings. You know, dogs, you really want to love a dog. And you really want to give that dog every chance you can. Yeah. And, you know, dogs are so pure. The thought of putting them down is, is a scary and sad one. And it yeah. brings up a lot of feelings. Yeah. What, what ended up happening with Parker, if you don't mind my asking? We had to put him down. Yeah. I mean... I don't think I was even a preteen yet. Mm. So my siblings were younger than me. And a Pekingese is not a big dog, mm-hmm. right? But those teeth are Oh, sharp. yeah. Oh, yeah. Small dogs can do real serious puncture yeah. bites if they're putting a lot of, Yeah. And know. he just wasn't safe to be around. Mm-hmm. Now, if we lived in an area where we had been able to find a trainer like Greta, would things have been different? I have no way of knowing, mm-hmm. but I I grew up in a pretty rural area. That's just what you did. Right. Which is not an, an excuse. It's just the facts. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I brought it up in this interview specifically because it shows how much you are willing to dedicate to people and animals who need you. I want to make us both cry. <laughs> and, um... And I just love you, and you're wonderful, and why am I doing this to us? <laughs> well, folks, now we're both crying. So, there's that. I love you too, Ryan. I love like, you. I love you so much. Uh, and you are also, like, in terms of people who really put everything, in, like, everything they've got uh, into supporting other people, like, that's you, man. That always has been you. Every uh, project you take on, like... Truly, it's amazing. Well, I really yeah. try. But you do. You do, and it shows. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> okay. I think I'm done crying. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to kind of wrap this up. Okay. I, th- I think we've got a pretty good idea of how amazing and wonderful you are oh, and how much you s- support people and animals <laughs> and everyone. But before we go... The question that I keep hinting at, that I want to have at the end of every episode. What is your advice for queer people trying to get into tabletop games or role-playing games? Because Mm. when you look at the people who are really visible in the community, you usually see straight, cis, white dudes. And hey, I'm not knocking them. Mm Mm-hmm. We both love the McRoy's and the Adventure Zone. Very much so, but yes. But all straight, a, all white, all heterosexual. Right. Yes. There's a lack of a lot of different communities. So mm-hmm. what is your advice for queer people trying to break into games? Not even in a public setting, just in general. Yeah. Okay, so I don't want to shoot off from the mouth too much here because I don't know very much about it, but Dimension 20 is a D&D, I think it's only D&D, show. Mm-hmm. That the um, the host, the DM, Brennan, he is white and he is, as far as I know, straight. I don't want to speak for him. I'm not sure if he's ever made a statement to that effect. But the guests tend to be much more diverse. Yeah. And um, having only watched one full arc, Tiny Heist, which the McElroys were on, which is what brought me yeah. to it. Um, it's It's very good. And it's like... Easy to watch because sometimes the players are new to D&D. Yeah. But there's never any judgment and there's never any like, oh, you don't know what to add to that role. Like, there's none of that. Right. It's And the story, his, Brennan's storytelling 
is really phenomenal. And there's sets, too, so there's something visual to watch because I know sometimes the objection with, like, oh, my God, it's a two-hour episode. <laughs> like, I can't focus for that long. But there's but there are visuals to, like, compel you along and give you something to look at. Yeah. So that be I guess that'd be my advice. It's 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 very queer friendly. Mo- many of the NPCs are queer. Yeah. Just a truly delight delightful show. Yeah. Yeah. So that that'd be a good starting place. Yeah. Just to kind of familiarize yeah. yourself with yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Zoe, my dear, <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Such thank fun. you for coming. I'm sorry I made you cry. It's okay. And we will have you on again at some point. Yes, I'm really excited. That last um session was just a total blast yeah let's really, do it again really fun. okay i'm gonna stop this recording before we talk for five more hours bye <laughs> thank you so much for listening i'm ryan your dungeon master and i'll be closing us out first of all thank you to zoe hovland for writing our theme music if you're interested in hiring her talented self for any of your future projects you can find her at facebook.com forward slash zoe dot hovland dot composer that's Zoe, Z-O-E, Hovland, H-O-V-L-A-N-D. There are lots of ways you can keep up with us, and the links to our website and all the podcast social media accounts are in our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash the game is afoot. You can also find us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com forward slash T-G-I-A podcast, all lowercase. If you have suggestions for things you'd like to see on our Patreon, let us know. Our email is thegameisafootpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you soon. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.